devil showed Jesus all those kingdoms, I believe that he did see all of their splendor. But I think what he had his eye on was all the people. On all the imperfect moms and dads, and all the people scrolling for a better life, and all the people endlessly chasing this better life of being chained by their desires. In a world filled with sinful people chasing after these desires, there needed to be one man, one Savior who said no to desire and lived a perfect life. There needed to be one man who could fight against the devil for all people, just like David fought against Goliath for all of Israel. So Jesus did exactly that. He didn't chase after a better life, he chased after you. The following is a sermon from Peace Lutheran, a church located in downtown Aiken, South Carolina. For more information and for more content, go to peaceinaiken.com. The Gospel according to Luke chapter 4. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God, and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem, and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. This is the gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. What's your favorite hobby? You can almost count on hearing that question at any sort of get-to-know-you or icebreaker activity. It's a simple question. You go around the room and you say something that you like to do. There's not a lot of risk in answering it. But do you know what the other question is that you can almost count on hearing? I think this is interesting because it's so much more personal of a question. What are you afraid of? It's a simple question, but it's pretty heavy. Now, people are afraid of all sorts of different things. Some rational fears, some irrational fears. But did you know this? 12%, 12% of people say that they have claustrophobia. Claustrophobia, the fear of confined spaces. 
And so for people with claustrophobia, if they're in a crowded room or a small elevator, they might feel trapped. They might feel like they're being smothered, like the walls are closing in on them and they're going to be crushed. People even go so far as to say that it feels like you're being suffocated. Terrifying. This morning, I want to propose that there's something as spiritual claustrophobia. And I think that it affects more than 12% of us. To help us think about what this fear is and to see how we're freed from it, we've got this wonderful gospel account of Jesus being tempted in the desert. There's a lot that we could talk about. We could talk about how Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert. We could talk about who the devil is. We could talk about all the sorts of different temptations. We could talk about the parallels between the Israelites in the desert and Jesus in the desert. But this morning, I want to zero in on that idea of spiritual claustrophobia. And I want to warn you how the devil can use doubt, how he can use desire and his own deceit to try and smother us, to make us feel like we're being suffocated. I want to warn you about those three things. But most importantly, I want you to experience spiritual liberation. I want you to know and believe that Jesus is your liberator. He's liberated you from any feelings of spiritual claustrophobia. That Jesus has fought for your freedom. First, Jesus frees us from the devil's smothering doubt. When you think of claustrophobia, you probably don't think of a wide open desert. But it's here where the devil tries to corner and, and smother Jesus. For the devil, the conditions are just perfect. Jesus is in a barren desert, and he hasn't eaten for 40 days. You know how hungry and how weak you feel when your lunch break gets pushed back just 40 minutes? This isn't 40 minutes. It's not even 40 hours. This is 40 days. Jesus must have just been hanging on by a thread. And so it's at this time where the devil comes. and He tries to smother Jesus. He says to him, if you're the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Now you might be thinking, where is the spiritual danger in a piece of bread? But the devil knows exactly what he's doing. He knows that right before this, at Jesus' baptism, Jesus heard his father say, this is my son, whom I love. Now as Jesus is hanging on by a thread, the devil comes to him and he says, look at yourself. You're a skeleton. God won't even give you a piece of bread. He must not really love you. And so the devil uses all sorts of temptations. Temptations like this little noise that's <laughs> trying to stop the, stop the show. I'm not sure if that's the projector or what, but <laughs> it's pretty brutal. <laughs> all right, well... We're going we're gonna to battle on. We're going to fight. <laughs> so the devil tries to convince Jesus that God really must not love him. He's starving there in the desert. And so the devil, he tries to get us with that same smothering doubt. He'd have us look at our physical condition, our physical 
circumstances. Everything that's going wrong in our lives. Because, how do I say this? Our bodies aren't really on an uphill trajectory. I've heard people of every age tell me, just wait till you're 22, kid. Then everything just starts falling apart. Wait till you're 40. Wait till you're 70. The aches and the pains, they just keep stacking up. And so that's when the devil comes to us and he says, look at you. You're falling apart. How many, how many doctor's visits? How many medications? How many surgeries is it going to take? This is really how a father treats his children? That's smothering doubt. When the devil would have us look at our physical conditions and think to ourselves, he must not really love me. But Jesus he looks square at the devil and he says, man does not live on bread alone. Man lives on the word of God. True health, true well-being, true vitality, it doesn't depend on our physical conditions, our circumstances, but it depends on every life-giving word of God. Where we receive true and eternal life, where there is healing for every sort of spiritual ache and pain, and where we hear clearly and time and time again that we are God's dearly loved children. And so we can breathe a breath of fresh air. Even if our physical conditions, our physical circumstances aren't exactly how we would draw them out, we trust that we have a Heavenly Father who has promised to sustain us in ways that only a father knows best. So we can breathe that fresh air because Jesus has freed us from the devil's smothering doubt. Jesus also frees us from the desires of our sin. After pointing Jesus' attention to some stones on the ground, he shows Jesus something a bit more glamorous. In an instant, he shows Jesus all the kingdoms of the world. He surrounds Jesus with all their splendor and glory. So what's Jesus doing stuck in the desert? Doesn't he know he could be living a much better life in those kingdoms? What's Jesus doing trudging through this dusty old desert? Doesn't he know that he could be escorted by chariots? He could be carried by servants? The devil tries to shackle Jesus with this desire for a better life. And he promises it can all be yours. Quick and easy. All you need to do is bend the knee. I'm not sure exactly how the devil was able to show Jesus everything in an instant, just like that. But I have an idea how we see it all in an instant, all at once. Maybe not all at once, but if we scroll far enough, then we'll see it. You know, that, that co-worker of yours that they make just a little bit more money and they're, they're always taking their kids on these awesome vacations. Or maybe it's on HGTV, there's that dazzling white kitchen. You know, the one with the really neat open shelves. Or maybe it's on Pinterest. Talk about a rabbit hole, right? Maybe it's, maybe it's that mom with just the perfectly organized pantry. 
All these ideal lives and lifestyles are just sprawled right before our eyes. And the devil tries to shackle us with this desire for a better life. But the devil, he's tricky. I mean, we, for one, we don't even know that those things are going to make us any happier. But still we go chasing after them because the devil wants us to think it's quick and it's easy. If you want to be that dad that takes his kids on all the fun vacations, all you need to do is just put in a couple extra hours on the weekend. No big deal. And then those extra hours turn into a couple extra years. And the kids have grown up and gone to college. That's the, that's the trick that the devil plays on us. He wants us to think that it's quick and that it's easy. And then before we know it, we're shackled by our own desires. We thought we'd, be, we'd been chasing this better life. We thought we were chasing freedom. But really, we were chained by those desires. We were chained in place by that dream, by that destination, by that car, whatever it is. That's what desire does to us. And so, to a certain extent, that's even worse than spiritual claustrophobia. It's more like spiritual enslavement. Being enslaved by our sin. When the devil showed Jesus all those kingdoms, I believe that he did see all of their splendor. But I think what he had his eye on was all the people. On all the imperfect moms and dads, and all the people scrolling for a better life, on all the people endlessly chasing this better life of being chained by their desires. In a world filled with sinful people chasing after these desires, there needed to be one man, one Savior who said no to desire and lived a perfect life. There needed to be one man who could fight against the devil. For all people, just like David fought against Goliath for all of Israel. And so Jesus did exactly that. He didn't chase after a better life. He chased after you. And he didn't bend the knee to desire. But he bent down. And he took the shackles of sin that were around you and he shattered them. So that you are free. Jesus has freed us from that shackling desire. He's freed us from that doubt. And I've got one more for you. Jesus frees us from the devil's suffocating deceit. A devil's no amateur. In this last temptation, he changes the location. No longer are Jesus and the devil in the desert, but they're at the temple in Jerusalem. The place where God's presence dwells. And on top of that, the devil uses God's own word. The words of Psalm 91. Do you see his cunning and his deceit? At God's house, with God's word, the devil tries to tempt Jesus. He says, go ahead, jump off the ledge. You're God's son. God will save you. He'll send his angels. Don't worry about it. The devil wants Jesus to think that because he's God's son, he can do anything he wants. God will save him. And you can see the, the deceitful manipulation being played out. The devil starts out like that. Jesus, go ahead and jump. God will save you. 
Or is it that you don't believe what he tells you in his word? Is it that you don't actually think that God can save you? The devil is no amateur. He thinks he's got Jesus by the throat, trapped by this temptation. And I need to warn you about this deceitful tactic because the devil uses it against us all the time. Because the way the devil does it is he puts on two different hats. First, the devil puts on his tempting hat and he says, go ahead, fall into temptation, you won't get hurt. And besides, God, God would forgive it anyways, go ahead. So sometimes we listen. We jump off the ledge, we fall into temptation. And after that, such a short trip of enjoyment, living it up in whatever sin it is, then the guilt just smacks us across the face. And that's when the devil, he switches hats. He takes off his tempting hat, and he puts on his accusing hat. He says, look what you just did. You really think God can save you from that? You really think God can forgive you? The devil thinks that we're trapped, that we're trapped between temptation and guilt, temptation and guilt, and we're gasping for air. Devil's no amateur. Even in God's own house, with God's own word, he can try and lead us to despair. He'd have us think, I'm a child of God. Why do I struggle so much with temptation? Why do I keep falling into temptation? Why can't I just perfectly say no like Jesus did? Why can't I come up with a Bible passage and perfectly defend myself? The devil's no amateur. But then again, neither is Jesus. Jesus knew exactly what he was doing as he was battling against the devil in your place, as one of us and for us. Jesus knew exactly what the Son of God needed to do in Jerusalem. Even if it meant being smothered by our sins, and being suffocated on the cross. Jesus didn't doubt God's plan to save us for a second. Because God really does save. Jesus marched back to Jerusalem. And there on the cross, he crushed that ancient serpent's head once and for all. And so the devil doesn't have us by the throat. We're free to breathe and we're free to speak. We're done listening to the devil and his lies. Now is our chance to speak. Smother him. Suffocate him with the gospel that is in your heart. You can say to him, you know what, devil? You're right. I am a dirty, rotten sinner. That's not news to me. You can, you can point your finger at me as much as you want. I take my finger and I point it at the cross. You can, you can try to convince me that I'm not really one of God's children. Right there at my baptism, that's when the shackles fell off. That's when God ripped me away from your clutches. So devil, you can wave fear. You can wave doubt. You can even wave death in my face all you want. Because my Lord's tomb is empty. You have been crushed, devil. The devil, he's going to keep trying time and time again. He's going to be using doubt and desire 
and deceit. It can feel like three walls that are being put right in front of us. We look straight ahead. We look to the left. We look to the right. And it feels like we're going to be trapped, like we're going to be crushed. Spiritual claustrophobia. But then we're reminded who's standing right behind us. Christ, our liberator, who fights for us, who has knocked down these walls. I don't know what it is that you're afraid of, but I sure know who the devil's afraid of. Christ, our champion, who fought for our freedom and won. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I trust my soul and body into your loving hands. All things that I encounter, I leave to your good plans. Send me your holy angel to rout the evil one and crush his dreadful powers. Amen, your will be done.